This is Rosen Institute's Your Law Firm, where Lee Rosen and Ned Days cover management, marketing, finance, and new technologies for building the practice you deserve. Here's Lee Rosen. It's good to be with you today from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, where it's hot, damn hot, as Robin Williams said in the movie Good Morning Vietnam. That movie is now 36 years old. It was a great movie, but I may be the only person in this conversation who remembers it. But, oh, hot. It really does get hot midday in this city. It's best to spend the afternoon in the air-conditioned spaces or in the pool if that's a possibility. The best times of day for exploring this city are early in the morning when the parks are full of people exercising at 6 a.m. or after the sun goes down when things start to cool off. It is a great city and we're going to miss it when we're gone. It's time for your tech tip. My freshman year of college, I decided it was time to get serious about attracting the ladies. For a lot of people, college is like shooting fish in a barrel. For me, not so much. I decided to go with a tried and true tactic of pickup artists, peacocking. I needed some kind of gimmick or accessory to stand out from all of those popped collar and flip-flop wearing frat bros who were getting all the action. My weapon of choice, a pocket protector. I wish I was joking. This was years before Big Bang Theory popularized nerd chic. I was in uncharted waters and the boat was sinking fast. Needless to say, the pocket protector was a chick magnet, just not in a good way. It electromagnetically repelled women more forcefully than I could possibly have imagined. What makes this particularly ridiculous is that I had to go buy pens to stuff into this thing, because like a lot of millennials, I can barely write. My penmanship wasn't great to start with, but after years of disuse in favor of typing, even on a good day, I had the handwriting of a dyslexic third grader. In fact, about the only thing I actually wrote on was the single sheet of notebook paper I kept folded and tucked behind my pocket protector. This was my password manager. There on that sheet, I had scribbled all the usernames and passwords of the various accounts I had across the web. It's possible that if I had spent more time developing a personality or hitting the gym instead of signing up for every free email service there was circa 1999, I wouldn't have been resorting to pocket protectors and Velcro shoes to try to land a date. But hey, you live and learn. Hopefully, if you have been a listener or reader of ours for any length of time, you have taken our advice and you are using a password manager to generate unique passwords for each app and service to save them, to share them, and to update them when necessary. Now, I know some of you are still writing your passwords down on stickies or legal pads, and hopefully you are at least keeping them somewhere safe instead of tucking that sheet of chicken scratch behind your pocket protector. But the good news is that you have waited so long that the technology is changing again and dealing with the troublesome, insecure, and downright nightmarish paradigm that is usernames, passwords, and now two-factor authentication is going away for good. Maybe. Hopefully. Google, Microsoft, Apple, and a host of other players are making a big push to move credentials for signing into apps and websites from passwords to pass keys. So what exactly is a passkey? A passkey replaces the password portion of your current username and password combination. It's not something you choose or remember or write down. As far as you are concerned, it doesn't exist. The passkey is actually a pair of cryptographic keys generated by your device, be it a phone, computer, or tablet. 
one that is stored on your device and verifies your identity, and another that is stored on the application's end and authenticates its legitimacy. Now, I realize these sound like famous last words, but this passkey approach effectively removes the risk of phishing, where you tap a link and accidentally type your username and password into a site that looks like eBay or your banking portal or Dropbox, but is actually a scammer's site and it removes the need for two-factor authentication. Your device will generally use some kind of biometric like a fingerprint, a face scan, or proximity to another device like a smartwatch or USB key you own to authenticate you. If you've ever used your face or fingerprint to unlock your phone or autofill a password on your computer, the idea is that this is basically how accessing all of your accounts will work once websites and apps start implementing it. You enter your username or let your, what we were previously calling password managers, autofill it, authenticate with a scan, and you're in. In the background, some cryptographic magic happens where the website and your device authenticate each other. This sounds great if you are always using your own computer and phone and all of your devices are in the same ecosystem, but what happens if I signed up for an account in Safari on my iPhone and want to log into the site using Chrome on a Windows desktop? Well, because pass keys are an industry standard, the plan is to be able to use them across any and all of your devices with no lock-in. Pass keys will sync across your iCloud or Android keychains, but you can also authenticate using a QR code or even USB key if you're on someone else's device. So if you are trying to log into your airline miles account from the computer in the hotel lobby, you can authenticate by scanning the QR code on the screen and having the phone scan your face. The pros here are obvious. Much improved security, the likelihood of scamming and phishing greatly reduced if not eliminated, the half of the cryptographic key that is stored on the server of the app or website you're using can effectively be made public and your private key is never actually sent off of your device. So even in the event of a data breach, hackers on the dark web won't have any credentials they can use against you. They don't have to be typed out, they don't have to be changed, you will still be able to use your password manager as 1Password, Dashlane, LastPass, and several others have already committed to implementing passkeys to make logging in across all of your devices seamless without QR codes or anything else. But let's say you're using that lobby PC because you left your computer and your phone in your bag, in the taxi, that's now an hour away. How do you log into a website that doesn't accept passwords when you don't have any devices? Well, that's where things start to get a little hazy and Casanova Ned with that sheet tucked behind his pocket protector starts to feel vindicated. The bottom line here is that we will probably need some kind of recovery key somewhere. Various vendors are still figuring out the best approach to this. Apple has implemented a feature to let you share recovery keys with other contacts in case you get locked out of your iCloud account or lose your devices. This might be something that's pursued further. Others are still relying on master backup passwords of some kind. It will probably be a while before the best solution to this problem is found, or more likely there will be several depending on your convenience and comfort level. But really, this is no different to the situation now if you are unable to get a two-factor code or access your password manager. Day-to-day, -day, the process of logging in is going to be getting a lot simpler and a lot less painful. There still aren't a huge number of services offering passkeys yet. eBay, PayPal, Best Buy, and GoDaddy are some exceptions. 
And because the way this works can be a little difficult to conceptualize, there's a handy tool you can visit at passkeys.io to experiment with how passkeys work and play around with logging in across your devices. But expect more and more websites and apps to implement passkeys over the coming months, and fewer and fewer excuses for those sticky notes and legal pads. I'm Ned Days, and that's your tech tip. And now for your moment of concise advice. Every experience with every employee that comes to your team is an opportunity for you to learn and to grow. That's true even when those employees leave your law firm. Don't let that experience go to waste. If you want to make the most of your employees, what you need to do is to get in the habit of conducting exit interviews when one of your team members decides that they're going to move on. With an exit interview, you'll get to the truth of why someone is leaving and you'll learn from that and you'll be able to make necessary changes so that your law firm becomes a better employer. I know from experience, I'll tell you, in the early days of my experience, I was plagued by high turnover. It was chaotic and often overwhelming with all the people coming and going, but Over time, I learned a lot about how to become a better employer and how to keep my employees for longer. I watched my father in his law firm, and as an employer, he really knew how to keep people. He had employees who were there for decades, and I doubt that I'll ever be that good at keeping people, but I've made progress with each resignation. I've learned a little bit. I've improved just a little bit with each experience, each time someone decides to leave the law firm. So when an employee leaves your law firm, don't miss the opportunity to learn from them. Learn from every one of these experiences. Exit interviews are a great way for you to gain a better understanding of what's happening with your team and what's going on with your law firm culture. But how do you conduct an exit interview that actually elicits a candid perspective from the person who's leaving? How do you gather the information that you need so that you can grow, so that you can improve and do better? Well, when the employee has resigned, immediately let them know that you'd like to hold an exit interview. Give them as much advance notice as possible. Explain to them that the purpose of the interview is to hold a discussion about their experience of the law firm and help them to understand that what you're looking for is their input in order to help the law firm to do a better job in the future for the existing team members and for future team members. Explain that you plan to incorporate their feedback and their input into making things better in the future. Let them know that you want to learn, that you want to grow, that you want to do better, and ask them for their help in doing that. And let them know how grateful you are for their willingness to talk with you, to contribute their ideas, to give you their time. Ask them to set aside 90 minutes 
for an interview. Now, if you want honest feedback, the key here is to wait. Don't do the interview right away. Set it up for at least a month after they leave your law firm. Give time for things to settle down, for emotions to have cooled, for opinions and ideas to have formulated. Explain to the employee as you set up this time, at least a month after their departure, that this is a specific process that you've developed for gaining this information that you need to make things better. You want the employee to understand that the information you're gathering is important, that it's valuable. You want them to think carefully about what it is that they're going to say so that you're getting well-thought-out explanations rather than quick rationalizations or shallow responses. So let some time pass before the interview comes. And then when it is time, make sure that you know what you want out of this interview. Get clarity around what your objectives are. You want to learn from the session. You want it to be about gathering ideas and input and information. You don't want this discussion to turn into a venting session for the now former employee. And you don't want this to turn into an interrogation by the law firm. This exit interview, it's about listening. It's about hearing what's said. It's about learning. And then it's about taking that information that you get to make things better, to improve. So when the date of the interview actually arrives, make this a one-on-one -on -one experience. You want to keep this meeting simple. You don't want to involve more than one representative of the law firm, one person sitting there with the employee. You don't want this process to be intimidating. Having more than one person involved, it will reduce the comfort level of the former employee. So keep it one-on-one. -on -one. And there are benefits to holding the exit interview in person, sitting in the same room. But generally, a phone call has advantages. Phone calls are more casual. They're more comfortable. A phone call creates an environment where the answers don't feel as pressured. There's less stress. The answers tend to be a little more open and honest. So I would encourage you to consider a phone call as the way to conduct the interview. Now, in a perfect world, you will not be the person conducting the interview. You won't do this yourself. In a perfect world, you'll find someone who has some expertise, some experience in conducting exit interviews. Some of the management consultants offer this as a service. That might be an option. They have expertise at quickly creating rapport and guiding the former employee through the process. You might have someone like that that you can turn to, but if you don't, if you're going to use someone in the law firm, find someone who's not going to be intimidating. Make this process clear and simple so they can walk through it and gather the information, and whoever conducts the interview, whether it's a consultant or an employee of the law firm, needs to be someone who who can maintain rapport and gather the information without 
turning things into an awkward discussion. You want someone from the law firm who is somewhat disconnected from this particular employee, if that's a possibility. Finding someone outside of the law firm who can conduct this process for you this time and every time might be a smart move. You really don't want to be the person who conducts this interview yourself. And regardless of who conducts the interview, what you're looking for here are answers to a whole range of questions. I'll give you some ideas, but you'll have your own questions that you want to add to your list. I suggest asking questions like, what was the primary reason for leaving the law firm? And when you were deciding whether to stay or go, what were the important factors that you considered? If you were starting at the firm all over again, what things could have been different that would have improved your experience? What are the most positive things about working in the law firm? How was the experience of working with your manager? In what ways was that experience positive? In what ways could that experience have been better? What do you think are the law firm's biggest opportunities for improving? What advice would you give to the law firm as it moves forward? And finally, is there anything else that we should know in order to improve the law firm? Now, now, obviously, the answers to each of these questions may warrant follow-up questions as the interviewer unearths interesting insights. It goes without saying that the person conducting the interview should mostly be passive and should avoid responding to the feedback from the employee except to ask follow-up questions. The interviewer should not make any effort to respond to the interviewee's concerns or issues, and they should not strive to correct the interviewee's impressions of the law firm. The interviewer should not be defensive in any way. The interviewer is charged simply with creating this comfortable and safe atmosphere where the former employee can give their input. The goal here is to gather that input, not to correct the record or to argue the point. Now, hopefully, the exit interview, by virtue of giving the former employee a chance to speak, it improves the relationship between the law firm and the former employee. Listening has a powerful positive effect on relationships. And beyond that, receiving the feedback, it might open the door a little bit wider for the former employee to be a valuable part of the law firm's alumni network, that group out in your community of former employees. Those relationships sometimes result in referrals of prospective clients, and sometimes they result in referrals of prospective employees. With some frequent having a strong relationship with a former employee results in that former employee returning to the law firm at some future date. These exit interviews, they can be incredibly valuable in a multitude of ways. So I would suggest that you develop a written process for making the exit interview happen the next time an employee leaves your law firm. So get ready now so that when an employee departs, you're ready to go and use this process to gather that information. Exit interviews. Do them. Learn from them. Use them to make your law firm stronger. That's your moment of concise advice.
Wrapping up from Ho Chi Minh, thanks for spending a few minutes with me and Ned today. We hope you have a great weekend and an even better week next week. Keep plugging away, moving forward, getting things done. You're on the right track. You'll get there. I promise. We're all in this together, and together we build better practices through better marketing, better management, and better technology. Until next time, I'm Lee Rosen. Thanks for listening to Your Law Firm. Visit rosensrules.com for our free course on the 10 critical rules successful law firms follow.